0: A Mitch and Jeremy exclusive. Are you ready? <laughs> on air. Online. On your smart speaker and wherever you stream.
1: The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. The
0: Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show.
1: Available wherever you stream.
0: Catch up on past interviews and episodes. On demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it. We are speaking with the one and only uh, guitarist, uh, Steve Hackett. His uh, tour. Uh, well, Seconds Out and, and others, uh, Genesis Revisited, Seconds Out uh, was supposed to be in Montreal this week, but uh, it has been postponed to later in the fall, uh, as we say here in
1: Montreal. Bonjour, Steve. Comment allez-vous? How are you? Uh, very good. Bonjour to you, too. You? Yes. Um, it, it is going to be rescheduled. The Montreal show is now going to be on November the 29th. Yep so um uh, and the rest of the canadian shows are gonna i've got those dates as well which is uh, there's oakville on um, no, um november the 30th and the first of december right. and quebec on december the fourth so unfortunately one of our number has caught covid and um but he's recovering so the rest of the date should be on, on schedule but it just takes a certain amount of time for someone to um, uh, stop stop testing positive and and test negative, it, it's symptomatic of the times that we live in for things to uh, to go this way. So, um, uh, what can I tell you? You know, yeah. we uh, it's a, a crazy life, but it's wonderful playing shows again. We've managed to play a whole bunch, and uh, uh, we're looking forward to you know fulfilling all these commitments. Sorry, yeah. it's been such a screw up for so many people <laughs> who bought tickets, you know, yeah. and the, at one time it, it happens and then everyone else has the pandemic and then one of our number. The first one, it has to be said since last fall, um, has managed to catch it. And he's a very vigilant guy as it happens. Mr. Mr. Mask Up and the Void people. But, you know, as soon as you um, as soon as you travel anywhere, it could uh, it could hit. Yep. but um but Absolutely. he's recovering he says he's over the worst of it now so if only we could have gotten a plane on thursday uh, everything would have would have been easy but um so it just means we get we get a few days off um uh, at this point but uh and, and you know different from playing hooky at school <laughs>
0: uh, montreal fans and, and quebec fans in particular are, are forgiving and it's it'll it'll just build more anticipation so it'll be even better yeah. when you show up um since we are recording this on on March twenty sixth, twenty twenty two, let me just quickly ask you, and then we'll get to to the uh, to the album and the shows. But tonight yep. is Genesis's Genesis's is that how you say that uh, final performance at the O two, which essentially wraps up the band's uh, touring career. Um, any thoughts about that? Is it sad to see it end after all these years? Is it a celebration for you to say, "Hey, look at that"? Yeah. almost 60 well,
1: years come on i think um you know people are, are, are always saying you know uh, uh, this is it that's it it's under a wrap i remember this in 2005 there was going to be no more and all the rest right and then uh, 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 lo and behold suddenly you know it's the old blue eyes factor is is back so um uh, you can never say with absolute certainty yes it right. is being billed as such um but um I would never bill any show as the last domino uh but right. that that's just me you know I I figured that um, you know fans have invested a lot in you know their favorite records their favorite memories etc and um I would always leave an open door personally True. so um, uh, th- though I do I think say, I,
0: uh, do- I was just going to say I do think age and health on this occasion factors in more than it did in 2005 or or all the other farewell tours the who ozzy kiss i mean you know every band's had at least five
1: (laughs) yes exactly exactly yeah um so there there is all of that but um i'm i'm not part of that you know i I, of course do what i do which is to honor my uh years with genesis and my involvement and the songs that i feel i sweated blood uh, to write with them and to tour with them, so um, there's a lot of lot of investment in that, and I'm very proud of those songs. So I do my my version, politics free. It's just what I consider to be the best songs from the best era, and, um, yeah. uh, and and I'm I'm undertaking a a world tour. I mean, you know, we have done Europe, Scandinavia. Um, we'll go back to some dates in Europe. We'll be doing australia new zealand japan this year uh COVID willing, of course um uh pandemic has created uh, um, complications but it just makes everyone all the more hungry for it and first and foremost within the band we want to get out and and play this stuff so um you know you can't uh you can't wave a magic wand uh sticky plaster isn't always enough <laughs> but um but in the main, you know, everyone is is uh, is 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 fit and and up for it and and able and willing.
0: Since we're talking about uh, songs you've written or had a part of, uh, and and of course on this tour you're playing Supper's Ready. So let me just yeah. quickly ask you about that because you get to Foxtrot. Yeah. Yep. And you know the band has done you know ten minute songs, eight minute songs, but you know twenty three, almost twenty four minutes on on Supper's Ready. Um. What was your memory of recording that? I mean, did you sort of sit there and go, well, maybe we should just make this like three separate songs or, uh, it was quite an undertaking. And I'll tell you from my own perspective, I'm one of these guys who likes get to the chorus, don't bore us. And and the first time I was presented with suppers ready, I went, oh, there's not a chance on God's green earth. I'm going to listen to this. And then eventually I did and it got to the end of it. And I went, wow, I wasn't bored. How did they manage to get me, the three minute get to the chorus, don't bore us guy, interested for twenty three minutes? So, an ab- absolute kudos to you that you just that, that the song just kept me enthralled, or and other fans obviously. But what was sort of the 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 discussion in the studio where you just went, all right, we're gonna make
1: this master. Yeah, I think th- uh, you know there's there's there are a number of bands involved with this, um, first of all, the first long form that I was aware of in pop and rock, whatever we called it, was Sgt. Pepper, where you've got the link of the songs, you've got segues, you've got atmospheric links. Correct. Sometimes it's just a bit of laughter and then suddenly straight in. Uh, DJ's nightmare, fans paradise. Um, from an era where albums reigned supreme, uh, no one wanted to be seen dead having a hit single at this point because that trivialised you. The real meat was in doing albums and so many bands right. rode in on, on the coattails of that, shall we say. And we all know are they, who they are, They're mainly British bands. So having witnessed that in 1967, the Summer of Love, uh, Sergeant Pepper, uh, obviously that was unrepeatable. But um, seeing my pals in King Crimson, a few years later, two years later, 1969, uh, the end of their set, they were linking songs together, uh, things as disparate as Holst's Mars, uh, sometimes linked together with The Young Ones and Cliff Richard. I mean, the most unlikely pairings of songs, you could do it with a system of cues, etc. Right. So having seen them do, do that live, I said to Genesis, I... Um, uh, i wonder if we could do a really long piece of music provided we do it right with all the bells and whistles we can make this work at that point we didn't necessarily possess all the all the things in the armory that would make that possible the mellotron, the synthesizer the uh a light show in fact it's pre-synthesizer it wasn't until the following year that we were using a monophonic tiny synthesizer but with the mellotron and the light show and, and and a front man who was depicting the action, prepared to act it and live the songs, etc. Uh, Suppers Ready was born. It was written in two weeks, and there, wow. were, there were there were sections that had already existed, you know, the fireman section. Um, and you know, various people brought in various bits to say we can do this and we can and we we can link it. And we took a chance and we did it. And when it was all done, I wasn't sure if our record company, let alone the fans, we're going to buy into this, I I thought maybe they're going to say, well, you've gone too far, this time, guys, it's all over. I know that the Beatles felt the same with Sergeant Pepper. they were giving very nervous interviews at that time, um, saying they weren't sure if the public was ready for something like this. So I think we were in a similar position. Obviously, we're very different other than being British. Um, But that's something of of the, the history, the progeny of that, of that song. And I used to talk to my friend, Ian Macdonald about this, you know, the passing of my, my great friend, um, Ian Macdonald, mm-hmm. um, from, from Foreigner yeah, from Foreigner, and and having invented King Crimson and written a lot of the songs on, on their stunning debut album in the court, of The Crimson King. Um, so he and I got to work on, on, on several projects together. Um, and, and to see his passing is, is incredibly emotional for me, are you talking about the bands that are retiring, etc., including Genesis, et cetera. Um, but all, all I can say is that, you know, it's you, he who wants to get up on stage and, 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 and share that sometimes a memory, sometimes something new, um, it becomes ever more important because you, you do realize that it's, it, it's, it's the passing of, of an era, but luckily so far, you know, Everything's working, dum, dum, you know, uh, ears are working, fingers are working at this this point in time. And um, um, can de- uh, tap dance with the pedals, have guitar, will travel, got a great band who love playing this material as well as the other stuff, the extracurricular stuff. So um, I'm really looking forward to being the other side of the pond which we've been trying to get back to for the past two years.
0: Yeah, well, I saw I saw Finally, the show I just, last show at Plast Day's Art. Um, let me just quickly pick up on two things you said. First of all, uh, trying to convince the record company, I mean, c- convincing them to do Supper is Ready is one thing, but you look at sort of everything that you were involved with with Genesis, and we were in an era of, you know, Love Me Do, and, and, and the Beatles are three-minute songs, and radio was Give Me yes. Two and a Half Minutes. You know, Yes, Genesis, King, all those bands in a sense should not exist because record companies Had they stayed with true to radio would have said get the hell out of here And yet they didn't how did you convince the record company to put out Foxtrot to put out nursery crime? And then support them and, and become popular and even the lamb lies down on Broadway I mean you go out on a tour and you play the whole album and the fans, most fans hadn't heard it. I mean, it, it's, it's remarkable the stuff you got away with. And yet it built this incredible band
1: that we all love. Well, I think, you know, we we did not have radio support in the early days. Okay. Um, particularly in a pre-MTV era. Right. All you really had was the album. If you've got an occasional hit single, absolutely by accident, happy accidents like... I Know What I Like, which is the only hit single that I'm, I'm aware of that, that we we had when I was in the band. And this is still a band that had Phil Collins in it for, um, from 71 to 77. Um, so in 73, we had that from Selling England by the Pound. So I'm, I'm trying to answer your question in, in a roundabout kind of way. Um, the idea of the Beatles, I think, had given everyone permission right. to do that. Now, how far do you go back? The shadows an electric guitar band he gives everyone permission to take up electric guitar without that you're looking back to an era of segovia meets django reinhardt you know acoustic guitar stars um suddenly the electric guitar has arrived on the planet and it becomes very exciting in a pre jimi hendrix era hendrix arrives the the goalposts have shifted once more yeah um, so each time has its priority, and I think the process of discovery that, that fans had at that time, when certain bands were born. I mean, the Beatles earned their spurs for years. They you know were playing in the in the backwoods and and, and what have you, um, in an era where most bands that were successful were instrumental bands. So you know, guitars tended to sound like Bonanza in those in those days. Um, then suddenly it all, it all shifts. Um, it's a time that cannot be repeated. The idea of, it's a, it's a little bit like films and television. You know, television takes over from film. Film is, is in recession until Star Wars comes along. So epic length, comeback of cinema as we know it, comeback of Hollywood. I think that perhaps there was a parallel in music where suddenly people were not afraid to do the epic song, the tone poem, programmatic music, which classical music had, music that tells a story, all of that, allow that to happen. Wasn't limited to the small screen. You weren't limited suddenly to three or four minute singles. And, and let's not forget the era of the sixties that had uh, you know, Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone and Richard Harris performing uh, MacArthur Park Suddenly, you know, you've got the seven-minute song, and and in a later era, there's there's Queen sticking out and saying, "No, we're not going to put out a, an edited version of um, Bohemian Rhapsody." And Brian May, who I worked with on a couple of projects, said, "Now we made a decision that either going to put out the whole thing or nothing at all." So it's that element of risk, and I think that. Can you imagine a three-minute uh, radio
0: edit of that song? I mean, oh my god!
1: <laughs> yes, I know. I know. It's, sorry, my my. my uh, thing there you here go. Is, is slipping? I'm trying to. Uh, there we go. Whoa. It's a new it's perfect. A new oh. iPad. A new iPad. And what I don't have with the new iPad is um, is the it's, thing to is, hold it up. It didn't come with a cover, so nothing holds it up. It <laughs> let, let me ask you one thing here. Yeah. You you, you yeah.
0: mentioned yeah. that guitar took a change when um, Jimi Hendrix came along, and of course we can't argue that it did. Uh, yeah. I would suggest that also it took a change when Michael Shanker came along, but. It also took a change when you came along because, you know, like it or not, and Van Halen fans like it or not, you did bring in the finger tapping, which was essential to your sound and to the sound of the band. I mean, you you know... uh. Talk to me a little bit about that and how, yeah. how that started. I mean, were, were you watching Jimmy or were you watching somebody and saying, no, no. or were you just sort of sitting in the in the living room going, what if I do this?
1: Uh, you know, <laughs> I was sitting in the bedroom of my, my parents' house and I was trying to play a line that sounded something like uh, Toccata and Fugue, J.S. Right. Bach, stuff that was played on keyboard. So I got frustrated with the fretboard's limitations and decided to Go at it in the same sort of way, so I'm doing a series of hammer ons and pull offs, and also in- incorporating both hands. So, um, suddenly I thought, if I can get this technique under control, I could be the fastest gun in the west, <laughs> you know. Uh, and you could play Debbie semi quavers, all the really fast stuff, you know. Uh, um, uh, at, at a fast rate of knots, and um, so it, it is. I have to say, it's a brilliant technique, um, yep. and and um, it's become the mainstay of, of many heavy metal shredders. And um, on of, of the last album I did, I decided to, you know, reclaim that or claim to to the, to the title originally, <laughs> and I start off with it, with it with a track which is called "The Obliterati that, right. on, on "Surrender of Silence," that has just that. It has. You're it planting has the, the
0: flag in the on the ground. Yeah, of that's tapping. right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Who got <laughs> to the
0: moon first? That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, let's get to the uh, to the album. Seconds out. I mean, it is one of the greatest live albums ever recorded. It, it's just fantastic. Uh, talk to me about bringing that to life on this tour. It is, of course, the last album that you recorded with the band. So, is there sort of a bittersweet emotion as you're playing this, or is it more celebratory, where you're just going, "Hey, fans, enjoy this," or you sort of like. Yeah, this is great, but it's also marked my departures. You know, it's it's, it's kind of both.
1: Well, um, at the time, I was determined to do solo material. I mean, right. I, I loved the work that we did with the band, but to have um, the ability to put out successive solo albums was something that was being denied to me in the band. They said, either you do that or or you're going to have to leave. So, um, um, so uh, I... I thought about it for a couple of years and um, it got to the point where I thought, well, I'm gonna have stillborn brain children here because I'm not getting any guarantees that anything's gonna get recorded by the band. I'm not a founder member. I'm being told I'm an employee. Uh, At the end of the day, I thought, no, my allegiance has to be to music. So much as I love the band, and I think it was the greatest band in the world, even so, I thought, no, this is time to start working with with other people. And um, I wish them luck and we went our separate ways having said that i it's not been about musical differences it's it's the internal politics of the band that right. um you know brings every band to um, either either a different incarnation of that band or a complete halt you know we we're coming up to the same same thing you know if i if if, if i were still a member of the band which i'm not uh, as i say i i, I would never put um, a full stop on it and say you know this is something that was Uh, It was world-class, it was a world-beater, we worked hard, we sweated blood together to to make this work. Um, Why would you want to limit it and say, that's all folks, it's the end of the show, it's not cartoons.
0: Why did you want to do solo material? Because the band at the time was on an an upward trajectory. Why did you say, were you just not uh, being fulfilled musically? Was it, I mean, why not just say, hey, I've got all these riffs? Let's turn it into the next album.
1: That's what I I did with Selling England by the Pound. If people like that, that's because I I thought I won't come in with whole songs apart from um, uh, After the Ordeal. I just came up with a series of riffs, and I thought that, you know, a a riff is unarguable. But you get to the point where, um, you know, ask George Harrison if you could, where you're no longer prepared to function solely with the idea of composition by committee you have to have been in a band to know what this is all about right whereby course. you need everyone's permission to be able to do everything or to do anything um and so if you are a burgeoning writer composer filmmaker whatever you are you know you need to have uh the canvas to yourself true uh, and 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 at the at the at the end of the day, you can always choose to write with people I've written with people many times subsequently and, and actually prefer writing in a team. But the truth is, um, you know, you've got to put your money where your mouth is and say, you know, if this is important to me, these songs, it's important that these songs get done. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done Spectrum Mornings. I wouldn't have worked with Richie Havens, Randy Crawford, Steve Walsh of Kansas and Phil Earhart. There's so many things uh, with orchestras, A whole ton of things. Um, That was really, really important to me because I I have to serve music, you know, rather than, you know, the ethos of a, of a a band that, that is getting smaller all the time. You know, a band like Genesis can start to hemorrhage members. You've got Peter Gabriel leaving. You've got me leaving. And then eventually Phil Collins leaves and then comes back, etc. But, you know, but as I say, you know, you need to be able to dance together and you need the invitation to be able to get up there and say, yeah, we'll write this song together. We'll appear together live. And there's no bloody mindedness on my part. It's just, I need freedom. That, that all important word, autonomy. You need that. You um, do. It's not what you think about when you're first trying to get into a rock and roll band. You don't think about that. You think, you know. For me, it was like, anyone who owns a Les Paul and a, and a Marshall stack has already made it, and to some extent, once you've got the equipment, it's like, you've got you've got the rocket, you've got the launch pad, you're ready to head to the moon, that's it, go plant the
0: it. flag. Was there any thought of writing this material and writing your material and then, uh, not selling it off, but but offering it to other artists and say, hey, these are my songs, but you, whoever, you know, Rolling Stones, go record this or... Could you not have done that?
1: It's funny. um, I've seen a lot of uh, really great interviews that that Elton John has done, for instance, and and he said that, you know, he and Bernie thought that they were going to be songwriters for other people. And even to this day, he's still thrilled when someone goes out and does a cover of one of his tunes, of their tunes. Um, But even somebody who is as commercially acceptable um, as uh, and successful as, as, as Elton um, still says, the same thing. Nobody was interested, in, and very few people are interested even today in doing it.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, so let's seconds out. Uh, you're going to perform that. Um any challenges in performing that? Is it sort of uh, difficult for a band to do a song like Supper's Ready? And and just quickly talk to me about doing some of these songs, because you look at Carpet Crawlers, you look at I Know What I Like, The Lion Lies Down, Genesis still plays yes. them, these, these are all-time classics. Um, yeah. Just quickly talk to me about uh, playing those and, and giving them the well, proper treatment.
1: Yeah, they, they are not easy songs to, to, to perform, uh, particularly Supper's Ready, of course, which goes through so many changes. So you have to have a band that can ch- that can turn on a dime right. in the middle of you know uh, a quiet floaty passage and then be able to come in whammo and hit people straight between the eyes. You know the transition into Willow Farm, for instance, um, not easy but but yeah. worth doing. That's that's the uh, uh, that's the important thing. So uh, yeah, we we've recorded actually a show we did in in Manchester in the fall last year which sounds, I have to say, sounds absolutely wonderful. I think it's the best the best live album I've ever been involved with. So, a live album of a live album, which Cherry picked across the whole of the <laughs> 70s, really, to uh, to get the best of what Genesis was capable of at that time. In that pre-MTV era, no no compromise about length of songs. Anything you like. Short as I Know What I Like, or as long as, as um, uh, Suppers Ready, of course. You know, both ends of the spectrum. Now, my only trouble is I, I have to do another interview, and I don't want to. Uh, cut well, I'll a short, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you from. get to
0: that. Just uh, so we'll we'll end on this then. Uh, the Steve sure. Hackett Seconds Out live album comes out when then?
1: It'll come out in the fall. It'll be a year after it was recorded. But by the time we're doing the British tour, which will be in September, and we'll be doing Foxtrot at that point, um, it will come out then. So our live Seconds Out will will come out then. Good.
0: I'll I'll buy it and I'll I'll make sure to get it signed at the uh, Place des Arts show.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm sure we can manage manage that. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Always a great pleasure. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Mitch. Lovely talking to you.
0: An all new episode of the Mitch Lafon and Jeremy White Show
1: Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews, bonus content, and episodes on demand now. Visit YouTube.com/slash
0: Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified.
1: At Mitch Lafon and at Jeremy White MTL.